two men of color vanished after last being seen in the same deputy's patrol car. I knew something was wrong. My mother knows. It's the strangest case, the most unsettling case. Listen to The Last Ride podcast, part of the NPR Network. Nuclear. Now, is it crick or creek? Coyote or coyote? Sometimes I say library. Welcome to You're Saying It Wrong. I'm Fletcher Powell, and as usual, joined by Kathy Petrus and Ross Petrus, siblings, rivals, dare I say, <laughs> friends. Uh, Kathy and Ross, of course, the authors of a number of books on the English language, including the book You're Saying It Wrong. Kathy, coming to us as she always does from her home in Granada, Spain. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Fletcher. Hola. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How, how's Granada today? It's hot. Yeah. It's okay. been real hot. Well, we're in that. It's what? You know, it's it's already over 90 degrees here uh, uh, fairly often. So. Oof. I'm getting tan. <laughs> you walk to the grocery store, you get tan, you know? <laughs> Ross Petrus coming to us as he does always from his home in Toronto, which if you're not familiar with the fifth largest city in North America is in Canada. Hi, Ross. Hi, Fletcher. Are you in the 90s yet there in Toronto? <laughs> well, no, we're we're a little bit below that. Actually, I could say in colonial parlance or in our terms that we're at 16 degrees but that's in centigrade in fahrenheit it's 61 degrees beautiful i still outside. can't do centigrade i'm trying i still can't get it oh I'm yeah not rocking it you yet. have to do that now don't you oh yeah and i and i can't <laughs> which makes things complicated well i think as americans i think we're all born with fahrenheit and i think it really is stuck in our brains because i have the same thing i literally translate centigrade into fahrenheit and vice versa. But I have to do it. I go, oh, that is, you know, X degrees Fahrenheit is what I do. Because otherwise you don't know if you're hot or cold. You don't. It's a real problem here, though, because like right across the border of the states, if people are talking about temperatures, you get all sorts of confusions. <laughs> well, speaking of confusions, uh, today you're going to do that to me, I think. We're going to talk about words that have changed over time, which is, you know, one of our favorite topics here. But you guys uh, are going to bring me a little bit of a quiz, I think, and try to stump me. Oh, try to stump you? We are going to. I Ah, you, okay. You, you, know, you <laughs> always win these quizzes, Fletcher, so this time we're determined to make you lose. The gauntlet has been thrown. And we made up the quiz, so it's pretty hard to do well on this one. You know, Ross, we could just cheat. You we could. could. We could. You're wrong, Fletcher, every time, even when you're right. But actually, before we, before we go to that, we're going to do another typical thing of words in the news. And I was driving back from Niagara... Um, the other day, and they were talking about the coronation of King Charles III. Mm -hmm. And they used an interesting verb. The, the woman said, and then there several people said, actually, they're going to, they're coronating the king. And I'm curious, because I would have said crown, they're crowning the king. Have you heard the verb coronating, Fletcher? No. And, and what, as soon as you said it, I thought to myself, Wow, I can't believe I've never heard anybody say that before, because that seems like something that people would be saying a lot, even though it sounds really wrong. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because Ross told me this right before we started talking to you, actually, today. And um, first I said, oh, yeah, I've heard it a lot. And I thought, no, no I said, haven't. No, haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I did my normal. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah that's like no. boring, Ross. But no, Ross is right. It's like, it, it's fascinating. Suddenly we thought, what, what? <laughs> Coronating? And it's all over the joint. Suddenly we're seeing it when we started looking. 
And here's what's interesting, Fletcher, about it. We looked it up on the Oxford English Dictionary, the verb we're talking about, not the adjective, the verb. And it's a very rare verb, according to Oxford. And the latest usage they had was 1847. I'm not sure that they, sometimes they update them, sometimes they don't. But the latest usage they had was 1847. So we immediately thought, like, as Kathy said, it's a really rare verb. And then we looked it up and it did does seem to be used. And here's what's really interesting. Kathy noted this too. I mean, Kathy discovered it actually. Thank and you. My wife asked, <laughs> why isn't it called the crowning? We call it the coronation. Mm-hmm. So why don't we call, instead of calling it the coronation, why don't we call it the crowning instead of the coronation? And then Kathy said, cue Kathy. Oh, oh, is that my like clever cue? Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, actually, there's a difference. Like the coronation is the whole shebang. The coronation is a thing that's imbued with, with you know, pomp and circumstance and weight. The crowning is the actual putting the crown on the head. So the crowning is part of the coronation. But here we go back again. And Kath and I both started thinking in a very interesting way, even though we still say basically the crowning and then coronating is, is, but coronating in a way would be a better verb to use. The person on the radio driving back from Niagara in a very interesting way was really kind of more correct than saying the crowning, even though coronating is a very rare verb. Although, going back to the rare, and then we can like cut on and go to the changing, because I'm going to say, when I just typed in right now into Google, was coronated, there's not a whole lot, 65,000 only, which is pretty low, but the, but they're big examples. It's like USA Today, mm-hmm. um, the UK Metro, I mean, it's a kind of crappy newspaper, but whatever. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's in books. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's not, I mean, while it's sort of uncommon, it's, it's legit, if you will. So it's a re- it's you know real, I mean? like it's a real word. Yeah. Or at least it's something that has been used in the past, just maybe not that much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I'm just sorry, total aside, Murdoch newspapers seem to have a fair amount of it. So maybe it's more of a Brit, maybe it's more of a Brit, UK, uh, you know, Australia type thing rather than a... Uh... U.S. thing, which makes sense because the U.S. doesn't have a king or a queen. I'm thinking two things. One is that maybe we haven't thought about this at all because it's been so long since they've even crowned a a monarch in in England and we don't really Mm -hmm. apparently pay attention to anywhere else, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, this wouldn't have even come up, so why would we have thought about it? Also, the other thing is, as someone who not terribly long ago uh, has had a new child, all this talk about crowning is not really... uh, bringing up the same idea for me. <laughs> I think that we can leave that there then. <laughs> okay, now Fletcher begins our quiz. We're going to open with a fairly easy one. And one thing I want to make sure you realize is there are tricks in here too. Not necessarily on the first one, but there are tricks. First of all, I'll read this. We have the word guy as in a person. You guys, guy, Okay. Now, we're trying to hear talk about the original meaning of the word and how words have changed over time. So now we all know the word guy nowadays, but now we want to go back in the past. How did this word come into being using it as we do now? Was it originally from a nautical term for rope, as in sailors pulling on ropes came to be called by the same term as the ropes themselves, guys? Or did it come from a guide? Two, particularly one who is ineffectual. He's a bad guy to have in the mountains. Or did it come, three, grotesque, 
as in look at that horrible guy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so we have a nautical term, and and we love nautical terms around here. Horse racing and nautical terms. Those so oh, many wow. so many <laughs> words so many words seem to come from those those two places. But th- that doesn't feel right. Uh, the middle one really doesn't feel right. I'm going to go with the grotesque. Ah. <laughs> Oh, shoot, Fletcher, you're going to start off with a win. I personally thought the guide, the ineffectual guide, just sort of tickled my fancy, but I like we it. Don't discuss I my like fancy it, but on air. Yeah. <laughs> let's not. <laughs> you talk about crowning, yeah, I'm talking about my fancy. Good point, good point. <laughs> I'm going to jump in after Kathy tells us the answer. Okay, because I have a little bit of a quibble. Oh, you're with gonna. This. Oh, this is gonna be interesting. Okay. Yes, it is grotesque. As in, look at that horrible guy. A grotesque. I should. I should also say grotesque, not as a adjective, but as a noun. When you talk about a grotesque, and it did come from old Guy Fox. You always have Guy Fox. Oh, Fox, really? It did. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. It came from Guy Fox, and it was you burned um, Guy Fox day. You burned the guy. The mannequin was the guy. And it became, it then spread from that. Here we go into what's called semantic widening. It came into using the word guy as a term for anything that looked, a person that looked sort of grotesque. Then, by the late 1800s, especially in the U.S., it became like any man, not a grotesque-looking guy, but a, a guy, a person. Some guy was here. Some guy wanted to talk to you. So now it became, this is interesting because Ross, Ross tends to use the word fellow sometimes. I'd never have. And it became the, the replacement for fellow. Sure. Guy. Okay. Now I'm going to throw in a little bit of a furbelow. We all laughed. A little bit two. of a what? What did you say? A little a bit fur- of a fur- what? A furbelow? What's that? Oh, Ross, I think this is Ross and Kathy language. <laughs> oh, no, you're right. <laughs> okay, look, you guys can't talk completely your own language here if we're all going to understand each other. But oh, This is I, I, it's so interesting. Yeah, let, let's, I want to take a little sidetrack. What is this, Furbolo, and why did you start using it? This is a real problem Kathy and I have. We've worked together for I, I don't know how many years. Many. A, okay, a furbelow technically is a pleated or gathered piece of material. But it also has a secondary def- definition that I, apparently is quite rare, but we use it all the time. It's something that suggest it's something that's um especially showy or basically superfluous. Huh. Fancy superfluous. Yes, too. fancy oh, superfluous. Well, I, I, and Kathy and I both use the word frequently, along with, I think we've talked about flens, which uh-huh. is a whaling yes. term meaning <laughs> taking the uh, fat off of a whale. But we use it for <laughs> writing books. We're flensing out. Uh, for us, we sound insane. <laughs> I know. We've used it at, uh, with editors. And we go, you know, we had to flens it a bit. And they look at us like, what? <laughs> they often just smile. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And, and neither of us are whalers, nor are we pro-whaling, so we have to add that in, too. So we use furbelow as sort of like a, a side, a side like jaunt, a little yeah. fancy excursion that's that's needless, but I'm going to do it anyway. That's really sort of fun. fun. I like that a exactly. lot. Furbelow. It's a fun word to say, too. Come on. It is. It's really fun. Fletcher's going to now be using it. Yeah, let's, so. let's go on this furbelow. <laughs> okay. Well, we laughed at, we laughed at uh, Guide for guy but actually the the name guy as in guy fox comes from the italian guido 
which is an old root form for guide. So to some degree, huh. and it comes way back into Old English, a Proto-Indo-European, I mean, weed to see. So in some ways, if you go really far back, guide and guy, guide would be, in a, would be a correct answer as well. Not necessarily one that was ineffectual, though, which we had in our definition. The next word is conden- c- condescension. Con- I almost said condescension. Condensation? <laughs> condescension. Uh-huh. Okay, what did it originally mean? One, patronizing superiority. Two, water droplets forming on surfaces. In fact, a parallel for- formula- formation of condensation. Uh-huh. Or three, to be accommodating or to meet halfway. To condescend. Interesting. Okay. Condescension. Well, the first one the first one is is pretty much the definition we have now, right? The the patronizing superiority. Uh, the, oh, we have put tricks in here. I've you got have to tell put you. Tricks so in some here. of these Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, the second one I I I, I love, um, <laughs> and and I'm almost tempted just to pick that one. Um, and the third one was to meet halfway. Well, since you told me that you put tricks in here, knowing how the two of you work, and looking at my choices there, I would feel like something is up here, even if you hadn't told me there were tricks in here. But I'm not sure what I would have chosen. I'll go ahead and go with with A. Maybe this one has never really changed. <laughs> well, this is a little unfair. It's actually number three. Okay. I think in a way, Kathy, we have to admit we cheated on this one because we made <laughs> Fletcher's be afraid of the answer number three, ah, which yes. he was I about didn't... to say. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but this one is interesting because I heard the word years ago and I heard it with um, uh, Jane Austen and I'm not sure if you ever see, uh, ever read or or seen Pride and Prejudice, any of the various versions. And, sure, of course. And Mr. Collins, who's a real jerk, describes Catherine Lady de Bourgh as this: "I need not say you will be delighted with her. She is all affability and condescension." And he keeps on saying condescension. And when I was younger, I thought that seemed like an awfully odd word to use about someone who you like Mm -hmm. in a complimentary way. Right. Yeah. In a complimentary way. And indeed when we, you know, when I looked it up then and, you know, we can look it up right now too. The original meaning was to meet halfway or to be affable, to be complacent, accommodating, accommodating. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Accommodating. Which is so funny when you say it just like that, then you hear it. It's like, it it sounds correct. You know what I mean? Condescend in a funny way. You go, okay, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. But yeah, it became, um, this is a word that did undergo pejoration, as we've talked about. And and it now does have that patronizing sense. What, Ross? You sound like you were going to say something. No, I was scratching my nose. But um... ah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope there was no condensation in there. <laughs> but <laughs> no, there certainly Sorry. wasn't, although I am allergic. <laughs> although there is one thought with that, even even going back to Jane Austen. Um, Mr. Collins is a real bootlicking type guy. Guy, interesting. And in that sense, there is some thought that maybe even then condescension was beginning to change in terms of ex- basic meaning and that she was slightly criticizing Mr. Collins 
as basically, you know, sucking up to a woman who was really rather patronizing in a in a negative way. Ooh. So there, even then, it could have been changing. It one just one quickly thing I want to say is, Fletcher says patronizing. I said patronizing. You said patronizing, Kathy. That's interesting. I say patronizing. Am you I say I'm patronizing? saying it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No, it's just sort of interesting. Long A or not. Did condescension then sort of move from from accommodating, meeting someone halfway to sort of meaning insincerely doing that? Yes. Not as much. Well, I don't. I wouldn't argue that it's insincere necessarily. It's like oh no no but yeah. You're I patronizing. You're, yeah. you're it's you're 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 the superior and you're and you're being kind to the inferior and you're aware of it and you're, mm-hmm. you're doing so. It, there's definitely a weighted uh, yes. balance there. So I don't know that it's insincere as much as like kind of like you know I'm good you know yeah yeah although there's a touch of insincerity in that though actually I think because I mean the 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 word technically in Latin is con with descendere which is to go down you're going down with the person but you're not really going down with the person you're really looking but I, down but no I don't know that it's insincere you might be looking down but you're being you're you're helping them in a, in a kind of like. Yeah. Can you be sincerely maybe, condescending? That's the thing. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe sincerity isn't quite the right word to be talking about this. Maybe maybe I should have used a different word. I mean, you could you could believe that you are doing something good, but also know yeah. quote unquote know that you're superior, right? So I guess I guess yes, in a, I guess in a way that's still sin- that's still sincere, but it's not. Mm, it's not. It's not genuine. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's not genuine. No, it's, it's not clean and 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 nice. Right. It really is not. It's like yeah, you're you're bas- you're basically lording it all over this other person, going like, here I am being wonderful to this poor benighted individual. That's mm-hmm. more grotesque, if you will, to go mm-hmm. back to the first word. I think yeah. So it's not insincere, but I think it's sort of snide. I think there's a good there's a good Samuel Johnson quote. He wrote a fr- an essay. My old friend is receiving me with all the insolence of condescension. Mm. And I think that kind of sums up the, I mean, it's, it's not nice to be condescended to, right. even if they're being nice to us. Yeah. And now we come to a very basic one. <laughs> this word is, we're gonna, the definitions are brief. The word is brief. The word is meat, M-E-A-T. The original meaning was one, beef, two, mm-hmm. offal, O-F-F-A-L as in um, innards of animals. Three, food. That's easy enough, Fletcher. (laughs) (laughs) Any kind of food. Okay. Right. Generic food. A generic food. So we have beef, awful, or which sometimes can be awful, food. but sometimes it's not awful. Uh, or, <laughs> or, uh, or just. I ge- knew someone had to make that pun, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, or generic food. I, I'm, I think food. Just generic food. Well, he does it again. Yes. Good show, Fletcher. This is a great example of specialization in action. When it narrows, the word narrows and and becomes something specific, where it was something bigger. Mm. Uh, meat was anything. Meat was meat was the flesh of. It didn't. I mean, now it's the flesh of animals. But it was. This is what fascinates me. You see the original meaning of meat still existing when you go to mince meat. I remember as a little kid, you hear about mince mm-hmm. meat. Oh, oh. I, I thought it was like yeah. beef. Of course, I thought something. so too. I had the same thing. I thought it was beef pie. Yeah, I had the same yeah. thing. Like a, like a ground beef or something. 
Yeah, but it's not mincemeat. It's usually like apples and spices right. and, and nuts as a pie filling. Sweet meats. I used to always read that in books. Like a mm-hmm. sweet meat is a candy. But I mean, mm-hmm. I, again, I was like, I don't know what the hell. I didn't care. And nut meat. That's one mm-hmm. where it actually still is. You see more often. Mm-hmm. Nut meat. You do. You see nut meats. Yeah. That's interesting because with sweet meat as a kid, I kept reading that we read a lot of British books and I thought they used to use sweet meat a fair amount in them. Right. And mm. I thought of it as candied, like candied beef is what I thought of it as. I thought it was really, really yeah, I did. And I thought it was really odd for these little kids to be like, oh boy, sweet meats. And I pictured them eating little chunks of... Uh... Oh, you were much more imaginative. I just was like, I don't know what it is. Whatever. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's really... That's, that's kind of weird going the other direction, too, though, because sweet breads are not breads. No. That's Actually, right. Actually, that's a really good point. Where did sweet bread come from? Well... Right now, I'm going to make believe I know by looking it up very quietly. <laughs> I'm looking it up openly, Ross, because I have no no ego. Because um, that's a really interesting one. Yeah, they say the reason. Okay, OED very oh, flesh says the reason for the name is not obvious. <laughs> um, etymology, though, an etymological dictionary here says sweet is uh, the bread element comes from Old English bride flesh. But why sweet, eh? Sweet, eh? Uh, ple- uh, Sweet is the original sweet. Actually, it's very good, Catherine, with your good mercy and uh, pronunciation. It comes, they told me in my Chaucer class I overdid the Norwegian sounds. Okay, <laughs> I like how it sounds. I think you do it really well. But it's pleasing to the senses. Meat that is pleasing to the senses. Yes. I don't know that I'd say thymus automatically makes me go, whoa, boy, my senses are happy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so with meat, we're kind of seeing the opposite of what happened with guy, right? Where right. guy became mar- much more broad and meat became much more specific. When did this, was this, I guess, when did this change happen? I mean, obviously over a lot of time. I'm just curious about this. Um, it's 1300s to 1500s. Okay. Let's go back into time. We're all now in 1300s England and you want a hamburger. And you know they don't know hamburger in this day, so you just basically <laughs> want basic meat. What would you ask for? Oh, sorry, we're all dead because this is 1300s England. That's about how long we last. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in this case, uh, if I if I wanted hamburger specifically, I guess I'd ask for beef meat. You would. Ask, you're getting close, actually. You would ask for flesh meat. Flesh in generic meat. sense. Oh, fl- flesh meat means means meat meat. Meat, meat, right, <laughs> right. Okay, it's flat. Wait, wait a second now, Ross. Is that flesh of animal, or would flesh meat also be flesh of fish? <gasps> Kathy, oh, goodness, you have raised an annoying question that I can't answer. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Good, because I have no idea. <laughs> My guess would be um, flesh meat would be a mammal. My guess, yeah, is. that's what I'm thinking. Like blood meat. Yeah. So if flesh, if Fletcher wanted whale meat, flesh meat might be correct. But I don't think he wants a whale meat hamburger. So I would say, in general, flesh meat would probably mostly refer to uh, beef or deer. I guess they made their hamburgers out of deer in those days, but whatever. But now here's another interesting thing too, Fletcher. Let's say we're let's let's go a little little forward now. Let's go to the 1400s. And I say, Fletcher, I'm not really in the mood for flesh meat. I want white meat. What do I want to eat? What is white meat in, in the 1400s? What is white meat? Yes. Yeah, not now. We're not talking pork now. Right. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. That's the other white meat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, 
it, let's say that that is um, fruit, white meat. No, <sighs> okay. wrong. All right. <laughs> white meat is dairy. Oh, really? Yeah, your milk, your cheese. Okay, so meat meat can even be uh, like milk, like a liquid? Yes. Well, dairy, yeah, actually Food, yeah. it could be. Ooh, yeah. Okay. And then I love this. Okay, now, what would grene mete be? <laughs> green meat? G-R- yes, green meat. What would that yes. be? <laughs> that does, mm, uh, well, let's go with vegetables then. Yes. Okay. yes. It's not Good. something that's been sitting outside right, right. We, and is changing and getting furry. Yeah, we, we do need to avoid the green meat these days. Yeah, right. <laughs> What's that song that happened at Woodstock? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fascinated by these. I'm sorry. I just have to say something though. You were got. You were saying Ross deer. Deer used to mean any kind of animal. Yes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. You're right. I, I just to, thought I was of that. Cut you off, and I didn't. But I, I remembered that. Really? You should have. Deer yeah. was any deer kind of used animal. To be any animal. Oh boy. Now it's just you know your basic deer. And worm meant any crawling creature. Yeah, that I knew. That one I did, because we, we did that article on worms a long time ago. We never sold it, but we did an article on worms. It was a really good article, too. I yeah. thought it was. I know. We're both <laughs> experts. Did you, know that, did you know that worm is one of the earliest, uh, it's one of the oldest words in the uh, English language? It goes all the way back to Proto-European. If you go back to the days before, I mean, prehistoric times, and you said worm, people would know you mean either worm or they would snake or some sort of creepy crawly thing. You could still get that word passed. I mean, that does seem like something you would need to identify pretty quickly, even if not the specific thing. But, uh, you know, oh, crap, there's a thing crawling toward me. Yeah, look, yep. worm! Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Kath, do you want to finish up with Carnival? I thought that was really interesting. With which one? Carnival. Okay, I'll do it. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. What? Okay, Kathy, it. you do it. You cut me off. <laughs> you know, Ross, you gotta be louder. You gotta be louder. <laughs> you know, your diaphragm roses. I can always do a good Ethel Merman. I thought this yeah. was fascinating. I can, actually. You actually can. I know, it's frightening. Um, I didn't even know that we had this, and now I'm looking at it, and it's fascinating. Okay, I'll start it, then you can read it as I go. Okay. I can cut you off at any point. Sure. Okay. okay, Fletcher... There's one other uh, on uh, meat-related words. Speaking of which, I think we should have done a whole episode on meat-related words. You we should have. Like we actually had, we actually had discussed that one time. Mm-hmm. But um, carnival. Do you know? The, have any idea of the origins of that word? Hmm. We, th- we found this really interesting. Well, now that you're talking about meat, I guess the car carn um has something to do with or carniv has something to do with eating meat. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would never have thought carn. I mean, now that I'm looking at it, and of course, of it, yeah, carnal. I mean, we, I mean, of course, we know that carnivore, etc. But I don't picture carnival as having any relation to carnivore, carnivorous, or whatever. But it really does. But in the exact opposite sense than you th- that you would think. Oh, it's from the Italian. Okay, it's from the it's the Italian word carnivale, carnivale. I, I know I'm butchering Italian. Butchering, ha! Huh? Really good. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the it's the Italian version of Mardi Gras or Shrove Tuesday, the day before Lent starts. Mm-hmm. So Carnivale means without meat. I this is brilliant. I never even thought without of this. Meat. Which comes originally from the Latin. Caro is meat or flesh in Latin, 
and levare is to lighten or to raise away oh, or to raise up wow. or to remove. So you're removing meat. You're saying so long meat. Right. Vale. Yeah, so Which is a very good way to end meat? this episode. So long meat. So long meat. <laughs> yes. I need a shirt that says that now too. But then I'd have to become a vegan and I'm not. I'm sorry. You're Saying It Wrong is part of the NPR Podcast Network and is produced by me, Fletcher Powell, in the studios of KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. Kathy Petrus records from her home in Granada, Spain. Ross Petrus records from his home in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Our digital team is Beth Golay and Carly Cooper. If you like what we're doing here on the show, please tell everyone you know and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast platform of choice. If you have a question for Kathy and Ross, you can email me at powell at kmuw.org or email them at kandrpetrus at gmail.com. The book, You're Saying It Wrong, was published by 10 Speed Press, and you can find that and Kathy and Ross's other books pretty much anywhere you get books. We recommend your local independent bookstore. And a number of their books are also available on audiobook, read by the authors themselves. Kathy and Ross are always up to something. You can find out more about what they're doing at their website, kandrpetras.com. That's K-A-N-D-R-P-E-T-R-A-S.com. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks.